This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. I am here with the one, the only, Joshua Dean. Well said. I don't know. Yeah, I think if you look me up, you might find a lot of other Joshua Deans, but you mean me, literally. I do mean you. Gotcha. The one and only that that matters today anyway. Well, hey, that is important, and I appreciate that. You're making me feel very, very comfortable. Special. Yes, special. We call that special. Yes, my mom used to say that. It's great. Yeah. Tell us what you do. Well, I am a mortgage professional here in Canton, Georgia, and get the opportunity to serve people uh, and their families with uh, making the most important decision of their life um, in buying a home and helping that be structured the right way, seeing the best benefit for their dollar um, and helping, you know, not to sound cliche, but to help dreams come true. You know, owning a home is such a great thing. I I saw a statistic recently that was very encouraging for me that 85% of people's long-term um, equity or even retirement is built in their home. So when you think about people putting money in Roth RAs or 401ks, really uh, the really big game changer for a lot of people is uh, what's in their home. So probably the best way I like to say it is I have the chance to have a generational impact. A uh, generational impact. That's pretty impressive. For people's wealth, you know, mm-hmm. in their long-term goals. So yeah, my uh, office is up in Canton, Georgia at the mill and uh my wife and I and my three babies don't live too far uh, from the area. I love the community. Where do you live? We live in Forest Creek, uh, up of off of uh, 20 there, which is just, uh, we're in due process waiting for the roads to be situated. So uh, it's a little uh, unrest in that area. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But it's growing and, and uh, great area, great schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a... Um, soon to be nine, soon to be eight, and soon to be five, two boys and a little girl that will be attending Avery Elementary. We're really excited about that. And so, uh, um, yeah, looking forward to the last few weeks of summer and then getting back to the uh, the grind, right? I cannot believe it's the end of summer already. It's, uh, my wife told me the other day we're on vacation and I just, uh, you know, it's hard. You know, us being from, you know, so I'm from Buffalo, New York, excuse me, and, and being from North, you know, we, we get out later and we don't go back until after Labor Day. So it's been a huge adjustment. We've been here for almost five years now. And it's a huge adjustment, um, just how quickly we go back. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, but we do get a lot of breaks and we've acclimated to that. So it's right. We, we get fall breaks, spring breaks, Christmas breaks. <laughs> just what? a break. Just, we make jokes all the time. Like, does anybody go to school here? I know. <laughs> that's right. That's so right. being from the North, we're always in school. So yeah, so it, it is a quick summer. It is. But you said you're from Buffalo, New York. Is that where you were born and raised? Yeah, I was born. Kind of a kind of a funky story. I was born in that area and then um, moved around a lot as a kid. My my mom and my stepfather used to sell encyclopedias and botanica books to naval bases. Remember when people used to read books? Are you? You know, remember those? <laughs> you're talking to somebody who publishes a magazine for a living. Exactly. Yeah. Remember books? <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. We, so they went door to door selling yeah, so encyclopedias. I, so I almost lived like an army brat, you know, um, Lived in Florida, lived in Virginia, lived in Biloxi, Mississippi, lived in Texas. And then we settled out in California, uh, San Diego. So yeah, my mom, uh, not that she's not now, she's still very, very attractive woman, beautiful mom. Love you, mom. I'm sure she's listening. Um, she, um, she was beautiful and think about in the 80s going door to door and selling books. 
yeah. to naval bases. So I used to accompany her a lot to those. So I would be with her and watch her present. And she'd sell. It still baffles me. I tell this story to a lot of people. And they're like, oh, yeah, we had one of those growing up. You know, we, you know, my family had that. One of my friends, my uncle had those. People would have those books. Well, it's kind of the Google of the, uh, you know, of that time frame, right? 80s, yeah. Right? I mean, we had, a, we had a full set of world book encyclopedias. No, were you ever in Wisconsin? Because perhaps your your mother sold them to us. <laughs> I don't. We didn't get that way. We stayed we stayed south and then west coast. But uh, yeah, so grew up there and then spent most of my adolescence until about thirteen or so in the California area, and then uh, moved back, mm-hmm. moved back to uh, back to the New York area. Well, we have a, a mutual friend, Christina. I think you call her Tina. Yeah, yep. from Aces Youth Group Home up in Jasper, and she planted a little seed that said, you're actually an adopted child. Is that correct? I am. Yeah. Kind of a unique, yeah. Unique stories. We were, uh, I think it's incredible what she does and, you know, even Goshen Valley and, uh, you know, organizations like that, that, that make a bridge for kids is, is so important. My brother and I were both, um, in the foster care system and, or ad- adopted a little bit later in life. Uh, I was, you know, you know, and my brother lived with our, our adopted family for five years. I only lived with them just for a short period of time. But so you were, let me get this straight. You were in the foster care system. At what age did you enter? Well, you know, on and off, um, probably from about 14, 15 years old, back and forth with my mom. So, you know, the, the challenging thing for these is that, you know, my mother had a, a drug addiction problem and was in and out of prison uh, most of my, my, my adolescent life. And, and, you know, the times in California, there was a lot of drug abuse and drug addiction. And a lot of reason we had to come back is because I uh, lived in a very volatile home. My stepfather was very violent, almost uh, killed my mother a couple different times. No kidding. And so all of this was going on when you're parents are traveling around the country trying sure. to sell books and yeah, they did a lot of it to support their habit is how it ended up turning out to be. Uh, right. And so, and it was just you and your brother in that family. Well, my or? brother and I are seven years apart. We have, mm-hmm. you know, different dads, but same mom. So, um, his father was, uh, my stepfather that was, um, not a, not a, the greatest of human beings, but, um, yeah, so we moved back largely in part to that. And then, you know, the thing that's important, I think, when you talk about people that have different brokenness in their life and struggle with drug addiction, you know, one of the things I learned, you know, probably my, I was probably in my late twenties, maybe early thirties is that my mother had some sexual abuse that happened to her when she was in her teens. Really? And I think, um, you know, abuse impacts all of us different ways, whether it's physical, verbal, um, but sexual abuse from what I've seen and what I know, and I have a, I have a master's in theological studies and been in ministry at different parts of my life and doing a lot of research and study that just has a mark on things. My mom was a very, very pretty woman. And, um, I think she, it thwarted her, you know, it thwarted her, her, what, what God had store for it thwarted her life. Um, it was her stepfather, her mom, you know, vehemently denied it. And, and it just was a bad scenario. And so that led to, do you know how old your mother was when she, she was, was um, you know, in her early, like 12, 11, 12. No kidding. Um, you know, and so it, it just, it, it, it was this generational thing, right. Mm-hmm. That um, she had happened to her that made, led to multiple choices of, of promiscuity in, in men and, and drug addiction to, you know, the pain. So a lot of times for most of us, when you go back, when, you know, sometimes we just make, we're just boneheads, right? We just make bad choices, right? Yeah, <laughs> That's right. just, we're all guilty of that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's really, really key moments in our life that really will truly impact the, our trajectory and they mark us. And now, mm-hmm. you know, healing and counseling and those types of things, faith, those are things that can thwart that in the opposite way. But oftentimes if left un, 
untaken care of or un, 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 you know, un, 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 uh, what's the word unattended, unattended to. to. Yeah. That, that really leaves a, a huge gap. So, you know, a lot of my mother's struggles started then and it just kind of continued to exasperate itself throughout her, her so when life. What, your mother was born probably what you're my, you my mom is uh i'm still alive um she she's back in new york she is uh well shoot i'm 41 she still tells people she's 40 um mm. i think they've caught on but um she's uh she had me when she was 17 so um, she's 58. I think she'll be 59 this year. So I, I think she was 17 when I teach. So, so she'll, she either was, be, she'll be either 58 in September or 59. So so she was actually um, born in the 60s. Yes, I yeah, believe that would 60s. make. Um, yeah, so in that time, if she was born in the 60s, we're talking the 70s when she would probably have really benefited from some type of uh, counseling. And that was not available. That wasn't an app. People didn't think about it then. No, not at all. That's. That's the sad thing, right? And just that, and just the nature of a, of a broken home. You know, her father was never around, mm-hmm. um, you know, so. To have such a rough start. Sure. To life. It just knowing the impact that has, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the things that, that really, you know, as I, as now I'm a father and have worked hard through my own struggles in life, you know, you look at, you look at those, those moments and how they impact generations, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, my brother and I have done well for ourselves. We've, I certainly, I could get my wife of 17 years on here and I would run, but you know, we all have our issues, right? We all have things that we're navigating through and, um, but un, left unchecked, unresolved on, un, on, un, you know, not for lack of healing, they can really, really continue to, to impact the next generation. So, but you had, so it was you and your brother and the, and the same mother and something happened and at about the age of, what did you say? You were about the age of 14 well, yeah, or about 15? Yeah, well, so part of, it, and, part of it, I'll say is that, you know, and people that work in the foster care system, they see this, you know, even as bad as your situation is, she's still your mom. Like, I still exactly. love my mother. Um, we don't have, you know, we have a, 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 a sometimes of a difficult relationship because of the nature of her choices that have lasted long. There, it's, it's hard, but, you know, I grew up with my mom. You know, uh, she was 18, 17 years old when she had me, you know, I've watched out, I've looked out for her, you know, I've been in some ways a parent to her, you know, I've looked out for her, watched out for her. So you always want your mama, you know, I'm 40, I'm 41 years old and still call her and say, Hey mommy, you know, it's just, it it just, it's part of how we're designed. So, so you, you went into the foster care system and where were you at that point? Well, so yeah, and I'm sorry, I'm long winded. So, uh, um, so what I'm trying to get to is that that I could have went in earlier Ah. into the care system because my mom was in and out of jail. Um, she had gotten on house arrest. She had gotten caught with drugs and different things. And, um, you know, I, I was able to stay with her because I wanted to in some of those instances. And, you know, you're talking about too, the system, just like you make mention of sixties and seventies, like, you know, the system continues to evolve, right? Maybe in some positive ways, maybe not when it talks about foster care and pulling kids from homes. And so maybe I should have been pulled sooner. I don't know, but I, I tried to stay as long as I could. And then finally my mom went to prison. My, um, half of my sophomore year of high school and then my whole junior year of high school. And so, mm-hmm. That that's when I really was pushed into foster care full time. Mm-hmm. And where were you? So I lived. This is back near Buffalo, about an hour and a half south. And we lived um, a little small, a town area called Olean, and lived in a foster home in Bolivar, which is another 15, 20 minutes. So just just all kind of within the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and was your brother with you at that time? In that my brother home? stayed with a family friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was living because we're seven years apart. So. 
I didn't want him to have to go into full, uh, full care if he could avoid it. And so he, um, he stayed with a good friend. And so that year was that sophomore year. I, I'd had a great year basketball wise. I'd gotten a scholarship to go to like a private Catholic school that was in Olean, which was the nicer area of where we were. Wow. So that's that, impressive. my junior year, I, I, my junior year of high school, I got, I got a job, worked two jobs and bought my first car, taught myself how to drive a stick. And I would drive back and forth to check on my brother, you know, play basketball and just, you know, live at this house that I was in. Tell me what it was like. What was this house like? Well, that was, you know, there's two, there's two stories I have about this and, and real quick, you know, the first one wasn't great. Um, they ended up losing their license later on. We found out that the guy was sexually abusing a couple of the, uh, oh, for crying out loud. the females that had some, um, some different disabilities. And so that was really tragic. Oh um, my God. I was never there. I, I had a very small room, probably the small size of a, of a normal house's bathroom. Um, but I was, you know, it was fine for me. I, I was able to work and play. But I, I would get up at 6 a.m. and be gone and wouldn't come home until 9, 9, 30, eat and go to bed, you know. So mm-hmm. how uh, many kids were there? was there? probably five or six in the house ah. at the time. It was very dirty. You know, it wasn't a great, you know, th- the thing that's always tough, you know, you say these horrible things about your, my mom. You know, my mom was extremely loving, very conscious, very clean. Um, you know, we, she always made sure we had what we needed, even with her addiction and struggles. Um, certainly going to prison leaves a little bit of a gap, right? So, right, yeah, well, so she's not I as, guess, yeah. not as available. Did you always have a home? You, were you ever living out of your car? No, we, we've lived in different places. We always, you know, you know, social services and those things, you know, um, I'm very grateful for those. You know, mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and going to get, you know, government cheese and milk and, and those types of things, you know, so you you know, as much as we can get critical about the country we live in, there's so many things that helps people had it not been for those things. Um, now granted to those who pay taxes and look at that, they're thinking, oh, this is this drug addict woman who should have got herself together. But when you have kids, and had children, you have kids involved in, in those types of things. Together. So you're, you know, you're grateful for that. So, mm-hmm. no, I mean, we had some tough moments for sure, but we always, um, always have food. You got to remember, you know, a lot of my gifts that I get from my mother, Okay. And in our heart, I get, you know, again, when, when things get misconstrued and, um, things happen and we make choices that build a certain type of lifestyle, things get suppressed and things get lost. But my mom, my mom has an incredible heart for people and you gotta remember she used to sell, she could sell anything and she's beautiful. <laughs> you know, she, in, in a lot of ways, she's a very strong woman, but the bondage of addiction is, is something so powerful that I think everybody in some way, shape or form has had some sort of impact with, with their family or know somebody that that's had a, a tremendous impact yeah. on their life. I'm here with Maddie Brown. How are you, Maddie? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Maddie is with Innovative Fitness. Tell me what you do. We design and outfit commercial fitness centers. Commercial facilities. So in other words, if I had an apartment complex or if I had an office building that needed to have a fitness center in it, I would call you and you would come out and do everything from soup to nuts for it? Exactly. That's exactly what we do. Innovative Fitness has a memorial grant in honor of our co-founder, Chris Conti. He was known for his community service. And every year we'll give away a free fitness center to an organization in need. And this year... (gasps) Drum roll. We selected the city of Chatsworth, benefiting their police and fire department. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. Yes. Good for you. Thank you. We're so excited. Tell me how they got this. How did they win? So you have to apply. You have to submit a video. And this year we opened it up to nonprofits, public high schools, and public safety. 
and got a bunch of nominations and we selected Chatsworth. They had a need and we're going to fill it for them. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm sure that they are absolutely thrilled. Have you ever given another one of these away? So we did. Last year was our first year doing this and we gave it to the Goshen Valley Boys Ranch. Another place that we have right here in Canton is the Heritage at Riverstone. It's an apartment complex that has your work installed in their fitness center, right? Yes, ma'am. You can go in there and you'll never want to leave. You'll just be so motivated by all the great equipment in there. (laughs) Great. Also, Wellstar, they do a lot of work for Wellstar. So you are really abundant in our community. We thank you. And on behalf of the Chatsworth people, I'm going to thank you for all that you've done for them as well. Thank you. Where can people find out information? You can go to InnovativeFit.com. InnovativeFit, period, C-O-M. Yes. She was on TV the other day. (laughs) She gave the wrong address. So we're getting it set straight right here, right now. Yes, we are. All in bold. That's right. InnovativeFit.com. (laughs) F-I-T. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you. you were in foster care you always had a chance to see your mother until she went to prison is that right I mean yeah so my first thing she was in prison and then so I didn't see her um that much um I was very fortunate to be a very good high school athlete and playing college basketball as well so a lot of my time was spent you know being an athlete playing basketball so I didn't see her much then she got out so um kind of to keep a timeline here uh once that foster that home I lived with lost their license um, oh, you were there when they lost their oh, license. Yeah, oh, yeah. gee. Okay. Yeah. So, oh my God. Lived with a couple of friends for a little while, you know, a short period of time until I got into a different family. And that was the family that really changed, you know, changed my life and changed my brother's life. And it was cool. It was So now you're not in a group home. Now you're actually in a foster family. Well, the, the first one was a foster family. They just had six or seven kids living with it. It was oh, like, I yeah, didn't ca- I didn't I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, I thought it was, it was, a, home, it, was a, okay. it was a, it was a foster home but mm-hmm. with a family that had six or seven kids and the, the, the father was arrested and sent to prison for his abuse of the girls. So then you went to a second family. I went to a second family, which I was very apprehensive apprehensive because at that point I'm 17 and I'm like, gosh, I got to be able to maybe find a different way to where am I going to live? And I was really looking forward to my mom getting out of prison mm-hmm. so I could go back home and be with her if that was a possibility. But, um, this family I moved into was, was great. We're still close. Um, had a tremendous impact on my life and my brother's life. Um, my father, my foster father. So when I refer my, my real quick, my biological father, we never had much relationship with, uh, he died of alcoholism about 10 or so years ago. Okay. Never oh really gosh. knew him very well. So anytime I make reference to my father, I'm talking about my foster father. Okay. Okay. Um, just for kind of to keep all the, <laughs> cause it, yeah. it, it, you almost need like a chart, an org chart, you know, like <laughs> now who goes That'll where be on and the who, website. who, who well, belongs <laughs> here. We're going to, we're going to bring it up. So trying to keep everybody in line, um, with what I'm saying. So my foster father was actually a junior college basketball coach, African-American guy, um, married to a, um, Caucasian woman that had four children of their own and a beautiful family, very well known in the, in that community. And they took, they took me in. Mm-hmm. So and your brother? Not, no. not yet. Okay. Would you just do you? Mm-hmm. So my brother's still living with, with, um, my brother's still living with the friend. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. my senior year happened. So that summer I lived with them the summer of my, so I lived with the family that lost their license in my junior year of high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Finished my junior year. That's that, that at the end of that, around that time, they lost their license, moved in with this family in the summer going into my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, and live with them just for a few months. And then uh, I was able to get into a program called Independent Living or SILP, it's called. Um, I forget what that supervised, I forget what it stands for, but it, basically I got my own apartment my senior high school. I had a mentor. 
was fully funded by the government. I met my mentor a couple times a week. She came over, taught me how to cook, uh, how to clean my apartment, how to, how to do things that I have my own car. And I just, I lived my whole, my life. I couldn't, you know, I didn't party or anything in high school or any of that stuff. So things that people would hear, man, a senior, senior kid has got his own, his own apartment, the stuff that's going on there. You know, I got up, went, went and worked out in the morning, went to school and did it over again. I mean, I was really committed to, you know, athletics and staying in shape and those things. So, so my mom got out my senior year and it was great. She came back, my brother moved back in with her and she had kind of a long run of sobriety. And then, you know, eventually people she kind of kept company with, you know, kind of pulled her back down. Oh, so boy. she had lots of relapses in and throughout. So not just through high school, you know, but, you know, I graduated high school. She, you know, I had a great year. I got a scholarship to play basketball. She came to every one of my games. You know, we kind of restored that relationship, but you know, fast forward a few years later, I'm in college and, you know, four or five years later and the bottom falls out again. So that's when my brother officially went into foster care. So going into my junior year of college, my mom's boyfriend got busted with about 38 balloons of heroin. Ah. And um, yeah, that's, that's not good. So that summer I moved home, he went to prison. I helped pay my mom's mortgage. She spiraled um, badly, lost a lot of weight, got down about a hundred pounds. She was, you know, her drug of choice was, was crack cocaine. So she had completely diminished herself. Mm. Um, so that summer, still this day as a, you know, as a 41 old man, that was probably one of the hardest things ever to do. So I had to, uh, I did, made a choice. I called my foster parents that I had stayed with. Uh, I still maintained a great relationship through them. They knew Cody, they, Cody's my little brother. And I called him, I said, hey, listen, two things are gonna happen. My mom's either gonna kill herself um, from drugs or she's gonna kill, you know, driving, something, something's gonna happen um, or she's gonna go to jail. And I said, if either one of those happens, do I have your word that you would take my brother? And so they, um, you know, talked about it, prayed with their, you know, people of prayer and people of faith and circled back and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take them. So within a week of making that phone call, I called the police on my mother and watched her, you know, be uh, escorted out of the house, arrested, confiscated drugs, and they took oh. her to prison. So that was a tough thing. My mom, I got some not so nice letters from jail from my mother for that, but it saved her life. Um, Absolutely, it did. And it put my brother, so my brother was going into seventh or eighth grade, and then he lived with them, um, with my foster parents, our parents through basically all the way until we graduated and went to college. That's fantastic. So you actually only lived there for how long in that Just house? a few months. But look months. at the impact the few months with that family no, made on a, your life and absolutely. then your brother's life. Yeah, one of the coolest things I got to do, you know, when you think about foster care and stuff is uh, the summer of my freshman year of high school or college, um, I worked um, for that. So when I graduated high school, that program followed me to college. So until I was 21, they paid for my, my they paid for, even though I got a scholarship, they paid for my, my, my home. They gave me money for food, clothing allowance. So I, I did a lot of things. I wanted to help them. And I was able to kind of articulate my story and talk mm-hmm. through things. And, you know, I had a basketball scholarship. So it was kind of a, you know, shining star, right? For them to kind of be able to share some things. And he was a basketball coach, you right. said, is that yeah, right? right. He, he was a coach. You're, what, what school were you at? Buffalo? I, the, I went to junior college first. I went to Erie Community College. And then I went to the University of Buffalo afterwards. But uh, while I'm in college at Erie Community College, it's junior college. I got a division. It was a scout, JUCO Division One. Um, very, very good basketball program. So we go there and I would work the summers on these foster care hotlines. So um, foster care hotlines. was pretty cool. So if you wanted to, Jody, be a foster parent, you would call this number, all right, and you would leave a message. And so, um, and, hey, I'm interested in getting information on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I would call them. 
So if you would call and I'd reach out, I'd go in and check the box. And this is back when people had voice, you know, home phones and, you know, so I had to go in this office and oh, yeah. check, check the. <laughs> and, and you get your finger out and dial it. <laughs> yeah, right. Check, check the, you know, put the code in, all that stuff, you know, leave a message. And so, um, and then I would call you back and be like, hey, Jody, my name is Joshua. Is there a time we could meet or is there, you know, I want to share my story. So it was great. I spoke at multiple, multiple events, foster care events, because, um, Although, you know, I, I don't love telling the first story of the first family. Um, it's truth. It is what it is. But so often, like anything, um, one poor decision or some people can cast such a bad, a, a bad look on something, right? So mm-hmm. it's really not that. Foster care is a great, great tool. You know, the purpose of foster care, people, which is always good to remember, is to get you know, to allow the moms and dads to get to a place of health where their kids can go back. You know, that's always the tension sometimes in foster care is, you know, when do you take them away or, but the whole purpose was meant to be a place of respite and a place to just recover, to go back. And so that happened in our story, you know, with my brother going back and, um, you know, later in life, my mom, you know, she got to a place, you know, when my brother lived there for five years, she got to a place where it was just better for my brother to stay where he was at based on the school he was in. He went to a private school. Um, my brother's a physician now. And so he did very well in that school yeah. academically. And so, you know, it, it made, it made, and, it, and it's, you know, it challenged relationships during that time because my mom thought that he should have come back. And at that point I was his guardian and I just said, Hey, you know, um, we're, we're, we're okay with where he is, you know? So How's your mother now? She's, you know, she's doing well. She's, you know, she's has, she's been out of prison for, you know, a decade or so, um, you know, still making tough life choices. You know, the, the challenging thing is the, uh, sometimes the men and relationships she chooses, you know, at this point in my life, I've, I've had to let go of a lot of, um, expectations for, her. Mm-hmm. um, she's clean in some regard, but we all know the, uh, the pandemic, if you will, with prescription drugs and how people abuse those. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, what, what they say in the whole uh, recovery world is that she's just traded her drug of choice, you know, so she's just found something different, right? So it's not, it's not to the level it was before, but it's still, so there, there'll always be, you know, you know, I, um, there'll always be that, that challenge relationally with her because of just years and years of those things. And that's the consequence, but I've forgiven her. I, I love her. Um, you know, the, you know, as a guy who has three young kids, I, I wish I had a grandma. Uh, I wish, you know, my wife's family is great. Uh, her her parents are great. They're great grandparents. But you know, I don't have my foster my foster father also died um, you know, about seven years ago as well. So mm-hmm. you know, I have no father figure on my. I don't have a grandfather on my side for my kids. And you know, their their nanas and you know, pretty. You know, we're very careful how much we let them around her and just you know some of uh, some of those things. So it's so difficult. Yeah, as you can imagine. So so that those are the things that you know still have a lasting impact. Um, but, um, but foster care was, was great. It was a, it was a great tool for us. It changed our life. Um, it gave us great opportunities. Where's your brother now? He's in Florida. So he's uh, getting ready to get married in March. I'll officiate the Woo-hoo. wedding, which will be cool. Yeah. They've yes. Been, you are a minister. You're well, ordained. Is I, that true? I, I, I was through the church. It depends on, I'm ordained through a church back in Buffalo. Um, but the, well, you know, the, can I ask what denomination? Not or? denominational. Yeah. Non-denominational. Not, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, I got to get my license actually here. I've, I've officiated, I just officiated a good friend's, uh, Valerie recently. And then I have a, a couple couples from the gym that have asked me if I would officiate their wedding. That's so I was so like, well, cool. I got to go get my license 
weddings here locally. So uh, I've done a few weddings in my in my time in ministry. So that'll be fun. But anyways, he's getting married in March. You know, because of COVID, it's gotten pushed a few times. Oh yeah, we're all playing that game. Yeah, so I'm excited for him. He's done very well. He's got a great home down there. No kids yet. Um, but you know, we, we've been able to professionally do some things well. Now, one thing I do want to make mention of, and I'm not, not embarrassed to share this at all is that, you know, I've spent a lot of time in counseling, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you, you don't, you don't go through what we've gone through. Uh, the story's great, right? It's great. But you know, there, there's a lot of things that I've had to undo in my life. You know, when you grow up like a survivor, it's very hard. You're naturally very selfish. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of years. You're of my, naturally very selfish. What? Well, because when you, when you're a survivor, all you have to do is think about yourself, oh. but that's not something you turn on or off. Right. So when you have to, there was times in my childhood when my mom would be gone for days and you know, we had to get figure I was eight years old. She'd be high and I didn't know where she was. So we'd have to get food. I, you know, my brother was, there's times I remember being eight, nine years old, my brother being two or three, my mom was at home for a couple of days. So I'm having to figure oh my out goodness. how to make him a bottle or, so there, there's, there's things that happen that you just, you know, you're, you, as humans, we rise to the occasion in these things, but that's not something you turn on or off as far as from a survival mode. And what I mean by that is you get married, right? You meet this woman of your dreams and um, you pledge to take care of her. Well, you don't, I've never had to learn, know how to take care of anybody else but myself. Mm-hmm. My natural thought is always about me. So I don't know about you, Jody, but that, that can be kind of a conflict in a marriage. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so, it is. So I've had to work a lot of undoing things that were great, great tools at certain parts. Being a survivor in certain parts of my life was fantastic. It's probably what allowed me to get out of maybe being a, another part of that generational brokenness in a variety of different ways. But it also comes with a high toll of how you view things. Um, you know, there's just things you do that you don't even think of as far as being selfish. Medicare, what a headache. Where do I sign up? When's the enrollment period? Who can keep up with Medicare and all that other red tape? I'll tell you who. Bonnie Dobbs with the Bonnie Dobbs Agency. Bonnie and her team know all the answers when it comes to Medicare and other red tape. They might even help you find benefits you didn't even know you qualified for. Call Bonnie today if you're turning 65, retiring after 65, changing your living location, losing employer or union insurance coverage. Bonnie can help you with all things Medicare. Bonnie Dobbs is a licensed insurance broker who specializes in senior health benefits. There is never a fee for services, and you will never get that high-pressure sales runaround. Call today at 770-373-7541. That's 770-373-7541. So I've spent a lot of time in counseling. Um, I think that's what attracted me to be in, in ministry was that believing in, in, in Christ and, and, and seeing that going, what we going through, there has to be a God. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I just, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to err on that side. I always love Andy Stanley. I always says, Hey, I'm going to go with a guy that predicted his death and got out of the grave. And if, if he's right, then, you know, we win. If not, then, you know, at least I've done my best trying to love people well and live a life of forgiveness and kindness and repentance and trying to make sure that, Hey, if I mess up, you know, let me own that. Right. That's, that's the beautifully that's said the best part of our, our faith. Right. So, so yeah. So, you know, I always think it's important when I have these kind conversations now that I'm older to say, Hey, it's, it's taken a lot of work to be healthy emotionally and mentally. Um, and I think it's wise. I think, um, you know, you made a great point earlier regarding my mother. You know, I think when we have things happen to us and we think we're okay, 
it's okay to get other people to speak into that. It's okay to be vulnerable and open up and allow people to, you know, lovingly um, help you figure those things out and make sense of that. And so many of us carry wounds that you don't have to have a story like mine. It doesn't mean your story's any better or any worse or mine's worse than yours. I've never been about, you know, everybody's impacted by things. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the sad thing is the failure to have those things looked at or to be um, investigated, if you will, um, it leaves us with another, the potential for us to do things to our families in different ways that maybe weren't as abrupt as a, being a drug addict, but maybe because of the brokenness we shared as a experience as a child and how it impacted us, it limits us as adults to be all that God has designed us to be, right? So we're working that out, right? Yeah, you know, one of the catchphrases or hot words or phrases that I hear nowadays is unpack it, let's unpack it. And I think that kind of really speaks to what you, you've had to do is unpack those feelings and those horrible days and nights that you've had as a child growing up and seeing your mother in that situation. You'd have to kind of unpack it and take a look at it from different angles in order to have it make sense and move forward. Yeah, sure. It, it hardens you. You know, yeah. you, you know, I think about, it's crazy, you know, becoming a parent. When I had my, my oldest son, Judah, will be nine when I had Judah, it, it just, it changed my, my view of God. And like, gosh, I thought God loved me uh, a lot. I think he loves me. If he loves me half as much as I love my son, I, I can't even fathom what that looks like. Right. But I think about, and I'm, you know, I'm, Hey, I'm trying to be the best dad, like every other man out there. I'm trying to love my wife. Well, uh, work, be, be available, be emotionally available, be present. You know, all the things we have to do as men to try to lead our families. And, uh, I just see what I've missed. Mm. You know, and what's, oh. what's crazy is sometimes, and I've had this conversation really, it's funny. We're talking about this. Cause I, I had this conversation really with my wife. I said, you know, just sometimes I feel like I'm in a really good place emotionally with it as relates to my childhood and things I've missed out on or things I wish I had, or, you know, whatever that might be. And it's funny. My kids sometimes trigger those feelings more than other times. Oh, right. Like what could have been or what wasn't, or the feeling of, gosh, I can never imagine be, not being there for my children. Right. Yes. Uh, and not from a judgmental because sometimes things happen in our lives that are, we make choices that get us in bad spots, you know? And so, but there's times that it's just very overwhelming to me emotionally to realize like, wow, this is, um, you know, I get to show up and be in my kids' lives on a daily basis. There, there is a, there is a expectation. My kids know I'm home every night. I'm in bed with mommy every night. Like I get up and go to work every day. Like they, I've set this precedent of their life. And we take that for granted for people that have those type of upbringings. Right. And and that's the way it should be tech. All right. That's what we hope for. Right. Um, but that's not the norm for a lot of kids. Right. Right. It's not the norm here in our County. It's not the norm all over our country. It's, it's not the norm. There's not that normal rhythm of people having a man and woman in their house and having a daddy and having a mommy and my wife is an incredible mother, incredible mother. And so even seeing what they get from her, right? right? So, so as you get older, even still those, those emotions and things at times can still, uh, can still, those things can trigger you in a way like, wow, you know, that's, there's a lot we missed, you know, and, uh, I hate that, but you wouldn't be who you are now if you didn't go through everything you went through as a child, but it is kind of interesting to look back and go, I wonder what my life would have been sure. like had things been different. Those are things you kind of got to look in the face, I guess. And sure. Yeah. Well, I think, you, yeah, I mean, I, we, I mean, I think there's a, I, you know, I love what Romans eight twenty eight says that God uses all things for good. You know, he, he does, he, he, he will. Um, he does. And it's hard to see that sometimes. So you're right to your point. Like, 
I don't know if I'd be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that, but you know, the strength <laughs> and the drive that you have as a human being and as a, as a, as a good person, a good friend, somebody that I think a lot of people rely on you. I can see that around here. You are, you're the drive of a lot of good times in this office. You, and for those of you that don't know, all seven listeners out there don't know that you have an office just across the, <laughs> yeah, across right. the hall here. Yeah. But the truth is you are really an instigator to make sure everybody's having a good time around here. Well, You're a leader that has a lot to do with the way you were brought up. And maybe that does have something to do with being selfish or being me first, but you don't forget your fellow. Sure. No, well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that's, uh, I am always looking for a good time. My wife always, always says that <laughs> I've never turned down a, a good, good way. T- she yeah, looks at it no, that way. Of course. Right? Yeah, yeah okay. no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm always, uh, it's funny because my wife's very introverted and, uh, if you met my wife, you would never know she's introverted. She's incredible with people, uh, beautiful, you know, very intelligent and can hold a conversation, but introverts, what they, what that means is when they get fueled up, they get a, they got to get away from the crowd. Right. So right. introverts want to get away. And, and my wife sometimes loves this, you know, a good book in the couch. Right. Uh, but as an extrovert for me, it's always more, more people, more people, more people that actually in some weird way energizes me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you can imagine sometimes where my wife is, um, exhausted when I'm like, let's go to this event. Let's go do this. Let's go, you know, let me go. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think the, uh, I think a lot of, and I appreciate, I'm going to circle back on what you said. I, I think that the counseling and the awareness, I think, I think the, the, the one thing I want to make sure I say is that I think what counseling and stuff does for us and helps us is, is it gives us an awareness of where we struggle, right? Mm-hmm. We all have propensities towards things. You don't have to have my story. You have them. I, we all got, we all have something. And when I say struggle, I'm just talking about, it can be our thoughts. It can be uh, how we feel about ourselves. It can be so many different things. It doesn't Absolutely. even have to be a bad thing. It's just that we all have something in us that is, that has this propensity to show up sometimes about what we think about ourselves, how much we feel about ourselves. And that comes from somewhere. It does. Right? It, mm-hmm. it starts somewhere, whether that's something that happened to us or something we've told ourselves or something we've experienced, right? So there's something that impacts that. And, um, we have to be aware of when that feeling comes upon us because what I've learned and what you see in a lot of people's life is how we do, how we deal with that when that shows up, right? When we start feeling a certain way, how we choose to get relief from that ultimately is if we're healthy or not healthy, mm-hmm. right? So if, if I feel insecure about something and my answer is to go drink or do drugs or whatever that is, right? What, to go spend money, go shop. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be go cheat on my wife. It can be all the way back to the small little things, right? Right. If I choose to do those things in unhealthy ways to make myself feel better, then I have a problem. But if I'm able to identify when I feel, if I feel insecure about something and my choice is to talk it through or to um, be prayerful or to remind myself or to um, go work out, um, go, go, go make a good choice, go make a good decision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, then those things help me. Is that, you know, if that yeah. makes sense. So I think the awareness of our frailties is the best part of counseling. So I don't know if I've been fixed my entire life. I don't think I'm fixed. I'll, I'll go, I'll go see my, my Lord and savior with some, with some bumps and some brokenness for sure. But do you continue to go and see your counselor? I, I, well, I, it's funny. I, 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 not as much as I used to, but I do have month, like every other month check-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, at the, at the height of it, how often were you checking in with a counselor? Well, I mean, when I went through college and stuff, I had a lot of therapy in college and then, you know, weekly, 
Um, no, probably, probably, probably once a month or, you know, um, maybe at times there was times it was, you know, it was a few times a month at different seasons, you know, a lot of the services or the programs I'm in would offer counseling. So I think that was a part of it. So probably mm-hmm. even a little bit more towards the end, but probably a lot of my counseling really started more when, you know, and I always make this joke when I'm doing weddings and stuff, you know, it's always perfect when you put two imperfect people together, you're like, all right, enjoy happy bliss. Right. <laughs> and then some of your issues start showing up. Right. So, yeah. um, so I think a lot more of my stuff came to the came to the table. Um, obviously, my wife very kindly pointing some of those things out, but also me realizing things as well, right? So I think through marital counseling and then what I realized, like, hmm, you know, I'm a part of this marriage, and so I have to work on some things myself to make sure that I'm healthy enough to give her my best. And and you know, so I'm a firm believer. There's not a person on the planet that, that doesn't need counseling. <laughs> and I, I and I think I think we use it. It's like a it's a cuss word. It's a dirty word. You know, it's like people hear counseling, like, oh my gosh, you go to counseling. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. you you should. Your mom and dad probably did a couple of things growing up that probably didn't help you. You probably had a bad college weekend, or you probably have some things you believe about yourself that aren't true. That be great for somebody else to tell you that's not the truth. I believe I've gotten more counseling later in my life, mm-hmm. not just entirely in a marriage, uh, you know, um, but, but just to keep me healthy. Yeah. And so running a business, running an organization is, man, we have a lot of pressure and I think it's good just to check in and make sure uh, you're doing okay. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like going to the gym before you end up at the doctors and you got, you know, you got major problems, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with getting your car checked before the light engine comes on, right? Right, exactly. Like there, there's, there's things in our life that we should try to put into place that help us be healthier um, before tragedy or before the oh, oh crap moment happens, mm-hmm. right? Yep, I agree with you. Coming this August, join us at the Mill on Etowah for the first annual Etowah Wildlife Expo, where we have plenty of space for you to have fun. We will have fishing and float demonstrations, a falconry presentation, retriever demonstration, a reptile show, and a kids' carnival zone with live music. So come on and join us August 21st and 22nd for fun with the whole family. You can get free tickets for the whole family at etowahwildlifeexpo.com. What else you got? What else do I have? What else? I think we're solving it. Like we're talking about, we got, we got it. We got it. We got deep down in there. We might have to have a part two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were talking about your business and I I did want to give a little time here for you to be able to say how important community and conversation is as being a part of your business. You say that relationships are really what your business is built on. Who do you actually do business with? It's the realtors, is it not? It's a combination, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, part of my bent, if you will, and you talk about, you know, my heart, and we're all trying to do the right thing. We're all trying to take care of our families. We're all trying to live out these passions and desires. I mean, I believe that what I do for a living as a, as a mortgage lender is, is, is it's a passion of mine to serve people well. It's just a different way. Um, you know, people do it in a lot of different forms. But um, And one thing I did, I read about you, and um, I... I thought this was very cool that one of the most important things you do in your life is buy a home. And you were just talking about earlier how that becomes really your investment for life, for your retirement and so forth. And some people struggle with that when it comes down to signing on the dotted line or whatever. 
if they want to pray, you will pray with them yeah. to get through that. And I think that's a really noble thing for you to be able to offer them. Well, thank you. I mean, there's different times. I think, uh, you know, I try to, I try to do a really good job. I don't want to sound like I'm super spiritual all the time because I certainly have, but I, I, even recently I've tried to do a better job of inviting God into my business. And just, um, if I really trust that he's in control of it, then I always want to invite him back in. And so, you know, going through a loan process and it can be very challenging for people. You know, it's a lot of stress. You know, what do they say? One of the top five things of in your life is buying a home. You know, moving mm-hmm. is one of the most death, having a baby, getting a new job. You know, those are the top five things in, in life. And so um, I want it to be as smooth as possible. I want to create an experience that, you know, it's twofold, right? Like there's the, the personal side where I want people to have a great experience because I, you know, I didn't grow up owning a home. You know, yeah. we, we never, we lived in an apartment, department in terrible places. It is truly a blessing and, and, it, and it gets lost because we, once you get to a place in life where you can own a home, it, it kind of gets lost on you. It's kind of what you do, right? You, mm-hmm. So personally, I, I just love helping people achieve that dream. Um, and then secondly, from a business standpoint, I want people to have an incredible experience. They go tell their friends. Um, so a lot of my business is built around realtors. It's built around current referrals. You know, I ask my clients, I mean, we're in a referral based business. I mean, there's nothing wrong. If my team and I do an incredible job delivering incredible service, we, we follow up, we communicate. I want to ask you to send me a few of your friends. Um, and, and a lot of my clients do that. And so, you know, by realtors, realtors are going to trust you with their pocketbook. They're trusting with their reputation. If you can deliver, they'll send you business. And then they tell more of their friends. So I think when you have the mindset of serving people really, really well, I focus so much on on the service part of it and in taking care of people, educating people well, that the other stuff just kind of follows, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's kind of my focus. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of fits your personality. You have early childhood education yep. in, as a background and ministry. Yep. So you're... You're hitting both of that, both of those things in your career right That's now. That's how I feel I'm doing that now in my life is I've just reshifted what I'm doing. So my ministry is, you know, loving people, serving people, being a man of integrity. There's a lot of people in this business that can take advantage of you in, in with, with not being full disclosed with, with cost and processes mm-hmm. and those things. And I just want to do it the right way. And I, you know, I've What's, been in business for four and a half years and it, my business has grown exponentially. And I think that God honors that hard work, those things. But you've been in this business for 13 years or more. Well, I've been, I've been in the finance business. So I was in the insurance business for a long time. I've really mm-hmm. only been in the mortgage business for, this is my fourth full year. Okay. Your business name is Homeowners Financial Group, but you have the Dean Team. Correct. That's How right. How many people are on the Dean Team? So we have a. Um, so I have we have two partners that work with us, meaning they're 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 assigned to my team. So I have that, um, and then we have within our organization we have a set processor set underwriters that work on the Dean Team. So what that means is if I'm doing your loan, Jody, I have a team that works on for me within my organization. So mm-hmm. um, I get the every file I get goes to the same processor. So mm-hmm. I have a relationship with her. We talk, I have her cell phone. I, you know, she's not local, but she's, you know, I have that access to her. My underwriters, they I have the same two underwriters that work on my files. Great. Um, so there's rapport there. There's relationship mm-hmm. there. So it, why that's so important is that they're not being thrown into some random places and Johnny's picking up one day, Susie, Stevie, you know, all these different places. There's a, there's a very fine line of how business is getting done. Yeah. And then I have my local people that help support that. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, a big part of it's, you know, myself and then the support around me, right. I always tell my agents and stuff, I had two loans clear to close today. And 
you know, I get a lot of the that boys, but I always want to make sure that people understand that it takes a, it takes a team to, to do what I do. Um, it's not just me by any means. Uh, I have a lot of incredible people around me that make me look really good. <laughs> so, That's great. And I'm, I'm aware of that. Right. So speaking of looking good, you got yourself quite a little tan there. You get outside a lot. I do. Uh, I got a little bit of native American in me. So I get a little, ah. and I, I'm growing up as a California boy. I like the I like this sun. And so anytime I can get near a pool or, be out mowing the lawn or anything like that and I take my shirt off I'm always excited to get a tan so your kids like playing outside too apparently I might have some more wrinkles because of it but my brother's a doctor tells me to get out of the sun but I'm you know (laughs) we're all gonna die I just want to die tan there you go (laughs) yeah my my kids play a lot yes uh two boys and uh they're crazy uh little girl it's the the baby and so she gets whatever she wants we're we're doing a great job I love when you bring her in she's adorable Gracie Gracie so cute yeah well thank you for saying that she's beautiful she's uh She's a handful. We're letting her get away with a lot more than we probably should, but we'll, uh, I always make a joke and it's serious. I, I have a savings account for my kids and I also have a counseling account saved for my kids. <laughs> when they get older, See? they get older and graduate and they get married. I'm going to hand their husband or, or wife and say, here, here's some money. Just so you know, I got the first couple years. Just, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry what I've done. <laughs> we try to do our very best. That's fantastic. I think everybody, everybody was like scratching their head going, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's there, a good so. counseling. Counseling fund is not terrible. I have a savings account, a counseling fund for your kids. Cause we, we probably messed up some somewhere, you know, I think, yeah, right? nobody's we, perfect right? I, for sure. Right. Very so, good. well, Joshua, thank you so much for coming in today. Is there anything else you wanted to say? No. Well, thank you, Jody. You were, you were very kind. I love what you do here. Um, thanks for thinking of me. I hope this helps and encourages people. It's an honor. Um, you know, I always want to say, I love my mom. Very grateful. Sometimes it's hard to share those things because, you know, she's my mother, but, um, uh, you know, I hope it helps and encourage people from whatever angle, um, you know, somebody hears this, uh, whenever they hear this and it, and it's an impactful for them. I'm grateful to share my story. Um, it's always an honor. It's a privilege. Uh, I'm standing on the shoulders of others. Um, a lot of people have worked hard to get me to where I am. A lot coaches, friends, people, you know, former bosses. I mean, you just name it. It takes a, it takes a lot of people, right? The scripture says it takes a village. Um, there's a lot of things it takes for people to get to good places. We've all been impacted that way. So, um, I appreciate you letting me share and let me talk and, um, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate you, Joe. Absolutely. Mike's always open for you. Well, cool. We'll have to set up some other, other stuff. It'll be great. All right. Now get outside and enjoy Cherokee. (laughs) Absolutely. Have a great day. We appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And-